Welcome to the Balkan Talks, where we discuss everything business and news related to the Western Balkans. The Balkan Talks is brought to you by WBBG, your partner for doing business in the Western Balkans region. Enjoy the episode. and welcome back to another episode of the Balkan Talks, your regular podcast for everything related to the Western Balkans, talking about business, news and any other developments in the region where you want to hear more about and where we'll be inviting guests to talk about the subjects. As you can hear, I'm back again. I want to thank my colleague Dalo Dizdar for replacing me uh, last month's episode, but now I'm back again. Uh, we're having our 10th episode, so that's a momentous occasion to celebrate with the Balkan Talks that we have reached our 10th episode. And uh, as you know, my name is Sandro Slipcic, joined by my colleague Sanir Pašalic. And we'll be having another very great episode for you today. We'll be talking about something that has been in the news a lot because we live in the Netherlands. And if you know something about the Netherlands and doing business is that a lot of people here uh, working here are expats, people who are from all over the world working in this country. And one of the things that we found interesting was that a lot of people here in the Netherlands talk about expats, but not a lot of people talk with expats. Expats are very much a group who aren't heard that much. Isn't that right, Sanir? I think, I think so. I've not heard much interviews or seen a lot of uh, things on the internet about the opinions and views of expats. So we decided to have an episode about expats and specifically Western Balkans expats. So we invited somebody here today from Serbia, an expat from Serbia working here in the Netherlands. His name is Dusan Radicanin and with him we'll be talking about his experiences being a Serbian expat in the Netherlands. Dusan, can you please introduce yourself? My name is Dusan. I'm originally born in Croatia and then moved around and eventually now I'm here. So I can tell more in details, but that's basically from Croatia to Germany to Serbia and now to Netherlands. So in a way, I'm an expat all my life. You've been an expat all your life. <laughs> all You've been life. all over the place. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. So yeah, we'll be talking about your experiences as an expat here in the Netherlands, uh, being from the Western Balkans, being from a region um, that is uh, represented here in the country too, who has, have a, met, a lot of expats all over the world and also in the Netherlands. We really want to hear about your experiences being an expat from the region. Yeah. We'll be talking about that, we'll be talking about your personal background, mm -hmm. we'll be talking about why did you come here, what do you do here, um, and yeah, what's the comparison between the Western Balkans, living here, uh, being from that region, uh, the business mentality, all of those things will be uh, covered today. So um, without further ado, um, maybe you want to introduce yourself a, a bit more, like, okay, you mentioned Croatia, Serbia, all over the region. Um, what's your personal background? Let's, let's start with that. Where are you from? Uh, mom and dad, family? Oh, yeah, that's... Uh, give us the whole, uh, give us the whole uh, shabam. So, basically, all my both parents are from the Croatia, from this kind of part where also Tesla was from. Yeah, so, there you go. <laughs> uh, well, he was from Lika, well, my parents were from Kordun, so, but that's somehow the close areas. So I was born in Split. So you're saying you're actually cousins with Tesla? No, uh, just maybe neighbor cousins. Maybe I stretched a bit of his gene, who knows? <laughs> it would be nice. You know you're starting a discussion here about where Tesla's from. You know, no, 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 I'm you know, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, he was, uh, 
eventually they say he ended up to accept Islam on the end of his life. So really, wow, this is new. This is, this is new. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? Some letter. Okay, okay. In some letter to his mom, he said that he accepts it before when he in later said, but doesn't matter. So yeah. So I was then born in Split, and then we lived there in Croatia in Zagreb until the nineties, like yeah, most of you guys. Or yeah. Yeah. And then war happened and not to get there in details because that's not the point. We moved to Germany because yeah, Germany was somehow for our countries and people the promising land. So also I think back in the seventies everybody was working there and then you think, okay, let's move to Germany. We lived there for a couple of years and then I think my dad didn't get the documents oh, to yeah. stay there yeah. and he didn't thought about any land, so we came back to Serbia to Belgrade in the 90s so yeah. that was a bit of a cultural shock back then going from a very order country that's in order and you know with rules going to belgrade in the 90s where everything is a mess because how old were you when you went back to belgrade i think four years something. four years well no okay, actually yeah. five and a half i was about to go to school mm. yeah 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 that's um, actually you, you remember a lot of that you were you know, i remember yeah. yeah i remember being in germany i think okay my parents were saving me for a lot of these kind of things that you don't notice as a kid yeah but for me i remember the biggest disappointment you have this kind of how do you call it? in german you call this players where you don't have this uh, kind of things you know like uh, how do you call them to play around and like uh yeah like, like a luna park Oh yeah, and you so have this, yeah, yeah. yeah, and you have these electric cars. And yeah, in yeah. Germany, they were great. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. I came to Serbia, and they were they were so bad, and I was crying. And so for me, that was the biggest disappointment. <laughs> That's why I noticed. So yeah. my parents took care that you know I don't feel the yeah, difference yeah. back then. So yeah, and then in Belgrade we live. I think back then it, the situation for finding an apartment was worse now than in Amsterdam because it was impossible to find because a lot of immigrants came. Yeah. So I started their school. After third grade, we bought a house in Novi Sad. Yeah. It was more a quiet city, and my mom thought that would be a better idea. In Novi Sad, I spent there my elementary school, high school, bachelor, master's, and then I continued you... further to Netherlands and doing the PhD and Okay, okay. After that, and so I can go more in details, but that's the, that's up till the, I came to Netherlands, that's how it was. So yeah. broadly there, how my path was. Okay. Yeah. Sounds, sounds, sounds interesting. It's a excessive path. For example, you didn't, I didn't know that you um, also did a PhD for a time. So can you tell us maybe about your, like, what, what did you study? What was your path mm -hmm. for your bachelor's? Uh, and your master's. Yeah, yeah. So what did you what did you do in Novi Sad? Yeah, so in Novi Sad, so I was in when I was in high school, so I was like somewhere it was fourth grade. I was questioning what could I do, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I knew right away things that I don't want to do, and that was law, economy, uh, or any other thing where you have to learn a lot for the entrance exam. Oh yeah. Yeah, I saw some people for medicine learn already one year. I said, okay, I'm not doing that. And I saw mathematics, kind of it was not so hard. I was not the best in mathematics in high school but mainly because I didn't put much effort. And my uncles were both mathematicians. I said, okay, maybe I have a bit of the genes. So yeah. <laughs> hopefully. It's, uh, maybe it's my genes. So, maybe uh, it's my genes. And it was this attractive kind of financial mathematics that was the second year that they have this mm. area that was, you know, back, you know, not before. And it was like your money and mathematics. So it looked good. Yeah. I said, why not? And that's how I ended up. In mathematics, actually, and the entrance exam was really easy. I learned, I was studying two weeks for it, and 
So that was not really hard and that's how I ended up in financial mathematics. And then after three years of bachelor, I switched to theoretical mathematics, actually because some of one of the professors was so cool and so clear about things, which some other professors are not, you can probably tell that also at work. You have people who are very clear what to do and then you have the people who are somehow, yeah, this is possible, this, because they're hiding that they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. And he was very clear, said, yeah, that's so cool, I like this. I like this area because it's so clear and I... I and is that because, like, because you're like immediately like referencing to uh, the way professors are in general in Serbia, and that this professor was apparently very different, but being so clear and concrete, mm -hmm. um, is this something you would say that, like, in your ex educational experience in Serbia, was um, is something defining? Is this like uh, such a standout? Like, how would you uh, qualify education there? Like, your experience <laughs> going, going to a university and, go, and doing all these things? I think it's, I wouldn't say it's so particularly for Serbia. I think it's about this, that it was a new area and people were put to to be professors there who didn't also have a long experience in this area. I oh, am. Yeah. But in things that they know, like let's say electrotechnic, mathematics, the classical things, they're very good especially the mathematical university in Belgrade, they're famous. So I think you, ha you have the highest competence there. But with things that are quite new, like this financial mathematics and our economic system is, you know how it is. So I wouldn't expect that we have in that area. Later when I reflected, I understood why they were not good. They were just not exposed to these things. Where people who, are, who had this strong mathematics for already years, they filtered out the best professors. So... So I was saying, okay, I want to improve myself. This is the best way to do because I'm going with people who know what they're doing. And I thought, well, let's say, let's try the theoretical part. Although people said, oh, but that's bad. What will you do with theoretical mathematics? But you're saying like, let's go back a bit. Like you're saying like, oh, you know how our economy is. But like, can you take uh, people back a little bit? Like what was life like growing up in more recent history? Like, like what was your experience growing up there and, and, and experiencing this, this also economy, but this, this Serbian world in general? No, it was, since I came there, I told you my first biggest disappointment with this kind of cars. <laughs> with, with the toys. Uh, <laughs> with the yeah. toys, like, well, why they're so slow and where are the other people? I want to crash a bit. But uh, the schools were a bit, it was a bit hectic back then in the 90s. It was, uh, you know, many kids, it was very much problems with drugs back then in Belgrade. Hmm. And it was a lot in this kind of schools. But then when I switched to Novi Sad, it was totally different. So I think it was just the thing in a capital city, in a big capital city, which was after war. Mm. So that was a bit shocking, which I learned later because my mom was telling me how it was. That was a bit of a tough thing going in Belgrade. But yeah. then back in Novi Sad, it was, I think, now when I see it's all the same. We have good kids, you have a bit mean kids like here yeah. like, just every, that, like every school in that like sense. every school just back then they were maybe jealous for some things that kids are here not jealous <laughs> and yeah. yeah because it was a bad economic situation and yeah people were fighting to basically work for to pay their rent or for getting food that's something that here people don't think about so, yeah. Yeah. so that's not something that they could be like jealous or you just continued your master's in uh, mathematics. Then. Yeah, you know, this theoretical mathematics. And one of the professors is kind of telling me, yeah, you can go for a PhD, that you should do it. And then I started to apply. Yeah, yeah. well, it's, it's, it's more of a general question, you know, like how did you experience, because like the interesting thing is that like you have a certain perspective, like you 
um, were born in Germany, like you were five years old, mm -hmm. still like you have the perspective of, of being young, going, going back to Serbia, missing your toy cars, mm -hmm. and then uh, having also lived here for a while uh, now, and you have, you have a certain perspective, like, and I think that's very interesting that you said like, that, that becomes a factor and that like, your dad bought things from Germany which other kids didn't. How did that influence you like, um, growing up? Like, that's what I find interesting. Yeah, it definitely had that influence on me, but I cannot now reflect back how did it influence me. You know, you, you felt like, okay, you know, many kids back then didn't travel, so they don't, didn't know much. For you, it gives you like, okay, there is a world outside that it's a bit different. So maybe it gives you, now when I think about it and compare some people, when I got the opportunity to go, I, I didn't think much. Like you got the opportunity to go to Holland, I didn't think much. But I know some colleagues that got an opportunity to go to Vienna and she was thinking so much about it. And the reasons were clear, like you have a better salary, you work less, everything possible. And here you work more, you have less salary. And she was still thinking it. So I think this kind of thing that you were already outside gives you this more feeling comfortable going again. Mm. So which I was finding ridiculous if you have so good conditions. Eventually she went and she finished the PhD and nice. There you go. Because you've already been outside of Serbia, it, you were easy, you were more easily um, or you actually were more comfortable yeah. leaving Serbia again for job for work and for 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 the job. When, when when did you uh, leave Serbia? Did, was it for the PhD? <coughs> it was also I was trying actually the first year I was trying to go to eventually I didn't made it because it was too many applicants and Apparently, his prof the professor used already his rights for PhD students in the past. And I was then a bit disappointed and then applied again. And I got positions in Canada again, but in Calgary, mm. which is, you know, where? In gold, the, where the bears are. And Holland. And somehow I liked the Calgary more as a subject-wise, at least back then. But then here it was more smooth, better conditions, Erasmus. We don't have bears. You don't have bears, you have a Important factor. We have yeah. Bosnians though, so we it was the same. <laughs> <laughs> but they're point. a bit civilized. Good point. <laughs> yeah, they're... Fair point, yeah, but okay. But, yeah, okay, I'll, I, I won't go into that. But um, Since you're yeah. Bosnian, you can make this joke, I don't <laughs> Yeah, 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 we're, we're allowed to make that joke. Yeah. That, that's very good. But yeah, um, but but then you decided to go here because like yeah, the like parents are closer. I don't need two days to come here. The fundings were better. The people were very like you know when you talk with them, they were very open, which I later also find out for job application. The Dutch people are quite nice and open, and well, we can talk about that a bit later. Yeah. What was your image of uh, the Netherlands before uh, you got to offer? Did you have any? Like, I didn't have any image of the, of the country. No, no, not at all. I just know it's a smaller country. And I think I was thinking they're more kind of advanced in thinking than Germany. I don't know why I think that back then. More advanced. Like like more, I don't know how, more advanced in a way that they're more you know, wide, wider looking than Germans. Because it was Germany, I was always, always, always thinking about Germany again because I know the language and everything. Yeah, but then somehow I think I talked with some colleagues and they say no, Netherlands is great for PhD students. I say okay, enough for me. I don't need to do further research. Let's try it. And you, uh, your choice for doing because like basically the the PhD was the way you landed here and, mm -hmm. and stayed here basically. 
Um, but when you were looking for the PhD, when you were looking around to do this, was it an uh, active and conscious decision to look outside of Serbia? Or did you uh, look inside of Serbia before you uh, chose to go uh, abroad? I think it was definitely an active decision to go abroad. Why? I think it was because the conditions or the environment for students was much more better and better organized. And it gives you more freedom to research and to explore yourself. Here you people were, I, I maybe also due a financial reason that <coughs> universities were very much framed with doing uh, teaching and lecturing and that there was really low amount of time left for research. And, uh, and it's uh, probably that was the main reason. And I was thinking, okay, if you go there, you can find something different out about, and then you can always come back. One thing that I, uh, so then I want to ask you in continuation is after you, uh, so you had these, uh, this expectation or actually you didn't have too much expectation of the Netherlands, but after you arrived in the Netherlands, what was your experience like of the country? Of the country, let me go back. What, what were the things that stayed in my head? I think it was a... What was the first thing that like hit you when you came here? What, what you really remembered? Probably. I think it, the, the, the streets were very clean, that it was nice ordered, that the architecture was very aligned, that you see that people were thinking a bit in front where they were making the city. So that was first, uh, because I came with my dad with the car, so he was also commenting how things are, you know, nice in order, you know where it's what, and and that you don't feel that Holland has so much density of people when we were back then in Leiden. Yeah, because that's always one of the things that people quote, because like, you know, the, the Netherlands is the second uh, most populated country in the world after Bangladesh, like uh, per square kilometer. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things people always say is like, everything still seems so uh, well organized and not that as dense as statistics say. I think but you had the same, <coughs> the same impression then. Yeah, I, I was thinking when I saw the numbers, I think uh, people will go or people on the street. But that was, that was not the case. So that was one thing as well. We also noticed that the highways were very good which is not true in our countries. The highways are a bit uh, dodgy. Yeah. So I think that was the first impression. And then, of course, when you start living longer, you see how... I mean, of course, if you're academic, you are a bit separated from the real world too much. So you, that you can... Why feel, do you think so? Uh, you just have your university, which is a kind of cozy, isolated island where you can do your research and you don't have much kind of a exploration how it's really are in the real world. Because to what university did you go? Leiden. Leiden, oh, yeah, that was. Yeah, yeah. and uh, we I lived in a small place called Uchstreist. That's next to Uchstreist. Uchstreist, yeah. Yeah, yeah. For our non-Dutch listeners, try pronouncing that. Uchstreist. Have fun. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> and that was close to the university. I was there at a, uh, in an athletic club, which was also close. So that was one change also I can tell. That's a nice experience how I noticed different approach to training systems here than in... Serbia, which was more kind of Eastern way, work hard, and you can only achieve that by working hard. And here it was more relaxed, people did less training, but they would perform even better. So that was a bit of a change. Work maybe work work a little bit, work out a little bit smarter and not necessarily harder. I, I think so. So they, I think how time went, they were taking science as an input to somehow manage their the trainings. 
Mm. So in our countries, you see people doing athletics, giving up school to perform worse result. What what people do here with doing school and maybe even working on weekend and training. And I don't think here people are per se talented more. It's just a different approach. Yeah. I think it's a different approach, and then that caused me thinking about these kind of things. So I was thinking first when I came, like these amateurs, they train three times a week. They <laughs> train six. Why do I come here? I already counted out that. And then when I saw, okay, that triggered my thinking. So in that way, I said, okay, that was the first point when I realized, okay, Dutch people are kind of efficient. Yeah, because like one of the interesting things there also is that one of the things I noticed when I when I when I studied was that like you would have these working groups, these small groups in which you would do assignments and have like classes next to like you know the big lecture rooms and having your standard like professor talking for like one and a half hours. But like one of the things I always notice about uh, when we get international students, especially from Eastern Europe, they are very much not used to this uh, small group environment where they also get like a lot of. You know, like in-group assignments, like the teacher speaks for 10 minutes and then the rest of like hour or two hours you spend working in even smaller groups, like doing stuff and having this like um, ping pong <coughs> or, 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 a mechanic in, in your group of questions, doing something, teacher, teacher helping you. And like that, I think the Eastern European mentality <coughs> a bit um, with education is a lot more like teacher talks for two hours, you write it down and do something with it. Oh, that's definitely. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's it's more the classic educational system. So I think um, I recognize this as well. I think most universities in the Netherlands they they employ employ this method of work. You have to you're forced to develop communication skills, teamwork teamwork skills, problem solving skills in a more of a dynamic, uh, more emulated let's say work environment in in. Uh, in university, while when you know Eastern European universities, especially those, um, maybe still based on the classical systems of the of the past 70s, 60s, 80s, they're more like here's your book, uh, yeah. read it, like learn it by heart, everything, and then go to uh, an exam. Still see people from these Eastern countries with that system coming here and being the best in some areas. Mm. So. Sometimes, yeah, but I have a hard time adjusting to the system. But like, uh, it's true. Like, I had one Ukrainian girl. She was really good because she like she works. But when it comes to like having to improvise and you're getting like a more dynamic, because when we're talking about a bubble, which here a lot better at um, preparing you maybe for the real world, like for a job. Yeah, because like it forces you to be more dynamic. But okay, I regress a bit. But that's no, I see some that's truth something, there. Uh, that's, that's something that that has struck me in the past. Uh, looking at people having come to I did University of, University of Amsterdam and also Leiden. Um, one of the things that struck me was like when you get people from let's say Ukraine or Russia or those countries, Turkey sometimes too, like they're used to a lot more like old school education. So, uh, but yeah, we we could devote the podcast to educational differences uh, between maybe, the maybe we will, you know, not today, not because today. today it's about Dusha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, but it's also part of me this kind of experience of educational difference, although. As a PhD, you don't have so much exposure to educational, it's more research. But as sometimes doing kind of teaching, you see the difference. So, And you see the similarities. Yeah, because when we go to your experiences, like let's go back to experience. Um, what do you notice like when you tell people here, like I'm from Serbia or like tell Dutch people, uh, how do people treat you? What's like the reaction you get? What was like the initial uh, impression? I think very good. I never felt any kind of bad, you know, 
input from somebody's reaction when you say that I'm from here. I had a couple of times during kind of representativeness of regular people. They're not judgmental, like on this stereotype after war that like, oh, you're from Serbia, you must be then, you know, kind of on the bad side or this kind of things. Yeah, so like you, you weren't really confronted with a lot of stereotypes yeah, directly. Yeah, yeah. And you would say that's something that you can account to Dutch people, like being very open? I think they, they're very open because they want to know what happened really. And they, they're not so that they will listen to media, which I would say it's differently in Germany. They're really... And I'm talking from my experience. I don't want yeah. to let people then think, I ah, don't generalize. No, I'm just talking from my experience. Yeah, I but it's, it's a relevant experience. Yeah, I don't, it's don't relevant. forget, it's relevant. So I would say that, you know, if you have a average person from Germany and an average person from Netherlands, I think that this person from Netherlands will think more about, you know, from his kind of logical thinking. They see that all kind of people in this war were affected. So they, they tend to understand the bigger picture of it. Yeah. I think that the Dutch are indeed, from my experience as well, they're quite objective. So they, they take, they take um, like you say, they don't make the, the, well, of course, some of them do, but on average, they think of, of others. And I think it also says something, for example, about their culture when it comes to uh, how they view, view authority, right? So a Dutch person would be less likely to... <clears throat> To just accept something that somebody's telling them because it's the news or it's 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 somebody who is ought to have, you know, the respect because he's higher in position in society or whatever. Or 400 years ago, it was Spanish. The Spanish, exactly. Spanish. That's, the, that's the Dutch example because mm -hmm. the Spanish, they had, uh, con they controlled the Dutch and then they rebelled and mm -hmm. they gained their independence. But, but I, that's something that I, um, you know. I recognize as well. Mm -hmm. So in Germany, from what I've heard, in, if you're in, the, in a professional environment, you have to address your boss, your director with uh, Mr. and Sir and, and so on with utmost respect. I have some nice story about that when we come to the Rabobank part, how I ended up there with interviews, but let's yeah, keep yeah, that yeah. for later, but it continues yeah. on yours. It's an interesting okay. story. So, so, and in the Netherlands, you can, you, it's, it's like, well, you just talk to your director, like, hey man, what's up? What's going on? What do you want? Like in a more informal way, it's fine. Like it's a, it's a flatter, let's say a flatter uh, culture. Yeah. So less hierarchical. And then also I think that ties into people not just accepting uh, everything. They just, you know. Remind me on that for the work experience. Okay, we'll come to you, Rabobank. Yeah. But the fun thing is with this, this is really interesting because it, because it involves a Slovenian philosopher, Slavoj Žižek. Ah, Slavoj Žižek. We, <laughs> we know him. Jordan Peterson. It you wasn't really what? a debate. It was just them loving each other, like, yeah. philosophically. But you, know, <laughs> but, you know, but you know what Slavoj Žižek says about this culture of, like, um, being very open to your boss and your boss... You know, your boss coming to work in jeans and being like, hey man, how was your weekend? And I being know. very casual. Like Stavro Zizek says that this in a, in a way is more oppressive than the traditional hierarchical boss who just says what you have to do. Because um, the boss who pretends to be your friend and to be like casual with you is like um, hiding or like um, putting like a canvas over the um, suppressive hierarchical relationship. <laughs> that does exist uh, beneath it, but like acts as if it doesn't exist and in, in uh, acting as if it doesn't exist and being like your friend, he's in a way being more oppressive than just a traditional boss who says what you have to do, uh, shut up, do your work, I pay you and go home at five o'clock. 
Um, that's like more honest in a way at being a boss. But that's like the fun no, fl- I philosophical side note there, which I f- these are two extremes. Because he, right? Yeah, he's a Western Balkan philosopher, so this is relevant. One of the very <laughs> popular philosophers. I know. Him. Yeah, he's very yeah. popular. Yeah. He had some. He had some recent fame also due to um, Jordan Peterson. It's interesting. It's an interesting thought, Sandro. But I think there's a clear difference between, let's say, prosperity between Western methods and Eastern methods. I'm not saying I agree. It's just fun. Yeah, it's just, I'm, it's just stating, funny, funny, I'm just stating yeah. my my um, I think my opinion. Yeah, yeah, but it is interesting and it is fun. Dushan, yeah. what do you think of this? No, I think <laughs> it's actually like if you look at your boss as both parts and you're somehow trying to act in different occasions. Okay, now he's the strict boss, but then at some point he will be like the good guy, which you can talk. But you have to take care that he's both parts at the same time sometimes so you know when things go good it's all fine when things go bad then you see the good boss going to the bad boss and in a way he says yeah if you look at him as a good guy and then bad times come and he's suddenly the bad guy you get shocked like what yesterday we thought like you know talked about music and now you tell me this well, what's the problem very good very good okay. yeah that's what that's my impression yeah so you yeah. have to be get ready for both so yeah you, so, so you're taking the balanced approach very, very good very, very neutral very smart of you yes. to, to take the middle very very yeah. yugoslavian yeah not aligned yeah yeah not aligned i mean on middle the, solution on middle the end you the have road. to think everybody looks uh, they say here it's funny they say political you know when they i came here first to work they say oh it's all politics they say well, what do you mean politics is it that you really employ people because they're in the parliament but for them politics means like more interest like you know when you have two contraparties they look their best interest and in in our country's politics it's like yeah you know somebody who is in the parliament yeah that's the okay but let's go back to your expat experiences because um, you work at Rabobank Mm -hmm. Um, why did you choose how did you end up there maybe that's also a good uh, oh yeah that's what what do you do precisely uh, yeah let's say how I ended up there so it was like somewhere my third year was starting of the PhD knowing uh, for example my appetite I thought my son will be you know hungry as well I don't think I can you know feed him with a salary of a assistant professor so I thought okay let's see Let's find a real job. And then you ended up at Rabobank. Yeah. And what Actually, did you do exactly at Rabobank? In model validation. So in risk. Ah, okay. Calculating yeah. how much capital should bank hold. So in case another crisis happens, things won't get so bad. And what's one of the things that like, because, okay, you never have wor- worked in Serbia, but let's say um, you probably have some image. Some. So, oh, yeah. You. So because for the birth, we went, my son was born in Novi Sad. And I was actually looking, I wanted to see how is it actually in Serbia, so I applied for some jobs. It was Germany, Netherlands and Serbia, but you know, I was thinking I will end up in Netherlands. But yeah. I would say, okay, I will give Serbia a chance, Why? just to see how it is, you know, I don't have to accept. So I had some interview there. What was that? That was a casino, like they needed people to make their... Oh, betting online. So you have yeah. to make kind of a models, models yeah, yeah, which yeah. will calculate the probability and then you of course want that the, you know that the probability is on your side yeah, and not course. on the g- it should be attractive for betting so he thinks oh i can win there and actually no you cannot it just looks it yeah but that, that's the way like all betting you can never win but yeah it's it's fun so yeah it's fun so you want uh, to make yeah so yeah that, it looked a bit differently than i compared it to interview here a less professional i would say which is normal because they just started working Rabobank exists already for years so these kind of values are it's an old bank yeah yeah it's an old bank from like how would you uh, characterize uh, working in a, in a in a dutch company like a dutch working environment like how would you characterize like 
Um, also having probably a lot of Dutch uh, colleagues. Yeah, like we have actually you... a lot of international. We have more international than Dutch. Really? So it's a kind of a mixed culture. But as you say, it's a mixture between the, having the, your boss as a friend and to help you and between having a, when it's very short deadlines and somebody is pushing them from the back, then it also you feel that push on your side. Yeah. But it's, it's totally different. As you mentioned, you can go to your senior manager and suggest something and he will listen to you. And I don't know how it's in Serbia, but I doubt it that it's so open that he will be like, yeah, okay, let's see as a junior, what do you think? Mm. And that they really appreciate you because you have like an open mind on the organization. You are not kind of biased because you're there all life mm. and then you already think mm -hmm. how everybody thinks. So th I think that was a very nice thing that your voice can somehow go up the hierarchy. So I, you remember when you, when you told me to remind you about the story with um, uh, you know the, the German and the German application and the hierarchy and how that is um, how that is in rel relation to the, the Dutch system or the Serbian? Can you tell me about that story because it sounded like sounded no, like no, yeah, there's this comparison between German culture of working and the Netherlands one. Yeah, can you? So yeah, of course I was when I was applying. Okay, my. My wife is German, my son is half-half, so it was logical also to apply in Germany, you know, big market, promising land for everybody from ex-Yugoslavia, like Germany. Nobody was thinking before war like oh, Netherlands, it's more about Germany, and then, yeah, Netherlands was like a secondary choice for everybody, as I heard, right? Mm. Fake Germans. Yeah, and then I was applying there, and uh, it was funny, just the interview process is very much, you know, structural, very, very serious. Later, I will learn from a friend who is applying now. Like you have even courses how to behave on the interview. I, I never like yeah. You should do this and this, and you know how we are. We also don't like rules. We have our own rules, so we are more kind of you know more relaxed, more giving for the moment. Yeah. And they're like yeah, you have to go there, and then how to write your CV, the professional picture. Everything is known how you have to do it. If you do it other way, it's not the right way. And you cannot challenge us. And for me, that was ridiculous. So I had a couple of these interviews and it was very formal, very, how do you say, generic. And then I read away when I get bad energy from it, I said, you know, at one point I stopped in the middle of the interview. I said, okay, they asked me, how would you explain to your aunt your master thesis in mathematics? You cannot even explain it to a person who is not doing the similar area in mathematics. Can no. you imagine? Uh, I said, if you really want to judge how I am based on that question, then I don't think we are a future fit. So then I stopped the interview and they were a bit like, yeah, how is that possible? Yeah, I said, how is that possible? I'm Serbian. So this stops now. <laughs> I so I'm not going, I cannot imagine. Like, yeah, I really felt generic. Like there is no, again, from my experience, I can bet that there is a lot of other companies that have it more relaxed. But this, what I tried was very generic and no human touch there. So... Mm. And with Rabobank was different, so it was very, they were really open to hear the story behind your, you know, technical features, like this, 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 you have this, aha, do you have this, okay. They ask you, like, you're like, how did you came up? Why did you decide it? You know, and then I told him they were even interesting how it happened with my girlfriend, why is the birth happening in Noisad, not in there, or not with their parents, and then they, oh, really, yeah. Then they say, yeah, what can you do? This guy from Major, he said, yeah. Yeah, that's life. Shit happens. And I was like, yeah, that's uh, very relaxed. 
interviewer. Yeah. yeah, in Germany that would be already compliance issue right away. It will come to the parliament probably. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. And I was like, okay, these people are kind of normal, and uh, I think that that was the, one of the difference I noticed on the kind of interviews. Yeah, yeah, I can still tell you how it is. Like, yeah, with my girlfriend and her parents, they also have kind of our rules, which I don't think Dutch parents have. So that's a different story. Maybe not for now. I just wanted to add that you know, Dushan and I, we met at the Rabobank gym. Oh, yeah. by chance. Yeah, we were we were doing some. I was doing some reps. He was doing some some. Uh, rowing, I think. Yeah, and, I mean, and, and and how did you know he was Serbian? You, you saw it by the way he was rowing. Or? No, 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 because <laughs> because uh, I think he uh, wanted to put on some music, and he asked me if that was okay. And I I heard it, he asked it in English, and I heard his accent, and I thought this guy's from from Yugoslavia yeah. or and, Balkans somewhere. So I asked him like, and I hear Bill Dugme coming from his headphones. So <laughs> he must be. I, I was like, this is so. I asked him, and he's like, yeah. So we met some. We we talked a little bit and then uh, we yeah, met I didn't with some other people this. as yeah. well. Um, he was always having earphones, but I was suspecting because always said I come he's doing bench press. I said he must be somewhere. Sadie, <laughs> you're, you're flexing so much. <laughs> and I, again, oh, you just hit me on the days when I do bench press. Yeah. <laughs> every second day. Very very good uh, argument. I only know one exercise. It's the bench press. That's <laughs> the most good. important. That's the most important. You yeah. lie down and you work. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> very okay. I won't make that. But, <laughs> I know um, what you meant. Yeah, but um, let's go uh, uh, back a bit more to your experience because, like, I wanna I wanna talk about it. Like, how do you compare um, your experiences? Like, hey, like we talked about, um, like your um, impression when you came to the mm -hmm. country. Now it's 2019, almost 2020. Um, how would you say like your your experience has changed over time? Like, how would you like evaluate your your expat experience now in the Netherlands after what like five years? Hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, now you really see a bit more about the reality when you work in a big company than when you're in this academic bubble. You see a bit and learn how things function and how is the Dutch system of working, but it needs some time to see. So it's a very kind of efficient moving forward system. Although in Rabobank it's a bit slower than in other kind of institution I heard because it's a big bank and everybody wants to have meetings before something is done. I think in maybe in our countries things go faster because if you have your boss and he says that's how it's going to be, it's it's okay. And here it's more like yeah, you have to discuss it. Mm. But still, it's a, I I think it's a very much a kind of experience enriched with going to the society and now having kids here as well. Then you have to be in the society more. Yeah, because that because that's one of the things like. How do you feel that international experience, like being an expat, has helped you? Like, what are the benefits? In, in, in because, like I mentioned, like maybe uh, perspective in some way. But like, how would you say, like, okay, you met you, you met your uh, your girlfriend and your yeah, the that's, kids. Um, so that's something. That's the most best experience because they say, yeah, you have to find your soulmate. Yeah, but it's everywhere. So you know, meeting. It's more chance you'll find your soulmate if you go outside than if you're in your own city. Because you have this kind of different cultures, like yeah, German, Serbian, and when they come together, it's a nice blender. Although our culture tends to digest all other cultures because we have a more <laughs> kind of dominant in a way that we like, you know, our food tradition is very much, you know, how do you say, more dominant than the German food tradition, which is basically some what, bread, cheese, and some sausages we have already you know what's eating or you know these kind of things but uh, from uh, other experience why is it good yeah, you really see how the developed 
fin let's say in my case, you see how a developed financial institution acts. And if you compare it with a smaller bank in Serbia, it's totally different. You see really this huge bank which has exposure in, I don't know how many, more than 50 countries, and it has to function and continue. So you, you don't have that in Serbia. You have more smaller banks with exposures, which is just locally. And you think, uh, then you see the re reaction with the other European countries and with the central bank and all these things. I mean, you cannot learn if you just stay at one place. I do think it's beautiful that even though we talk about business and work and yeah, yeah. all those opportunities, that even love can be like the, one of the more pretty things that can happen, like from being an expat and having that experience. So I think that's also like a, yeah, if you, a great message we can have on the, on yeah, the podcast. Yeah, you have two people that came to another different place. It's somehow, uh, it gives this special energy. Yeah, this is beautiful to hear. Uh, so, so would you say that uh, you're planning to stay in the Netherlands for the near future, for the foreseeable future, let's say? Uh, you know how we are. I moved like a gypsy all my life. <laughs> so, true. you know, you move there, you see how things... I mean, it's a good having a good approach to life if you are open to... Possibilities. You, <coughs> to, if, you, if you, you know, right away frame yourself, okay, this is my thing, I'm not going to move, here it's nice, I have here my friends, my cafe, yeah, then in my opinion, life becomes a bit more boring and not kind of exciting as if you're like open, okay, if I get opportunity to America to go for two years and you have a partner who is also for that, usually the kid would, kids will agree, so. I find this an interesting frame though, like why are expats expats and gypsies not expats? Is it because they live in like those cards or? If you as an expat go live like in a trailer, do you become a gypsy? <laughs> How does this work, this mechanic? That's an interesting question okay, for another side episode. Note, side note. <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting. So, would you would you uh, uh, ever? Um, well, maybe you already answered this question, but would you then consider to ever go back to Serbia permanently, or are you? Yeah, but again, permanently, it's. Uh, but like, what, what what's your relationship with Serbia in general right now? Like, do uh, you go back often? Of course, and yeah. How is how is your relationship? I'm there? trying to go twice a year there. You know, okay, my twice a year. Are there. Yeah. Make sure my mom is currently here helping us with the sun. Ah, but my, it's like a traditional thing, right? Very good. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't matter how far it is. Even if you were in Calgary, she would have come over. She will come to, <laughs> to the cold yeah. Calgary. Bearing Bearing Sarma and Burek. Is she teaching your your wife to you know to cook the Serbian cuisine? No, we don't have a classical cuisine. We. I eat what's good food. I think good food you can find everywhere. So I'm not complaining for Cevapčiće and these kind of things and Burek. <gasps> Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. shocked. We Bosnians <laughs> are always complaining for chivapčić. Yes, so but you can make them. You can take meat and make them. Yes, of course. But does your wife know how to make them? Not really. But I'm not such a. But my son likes it, so she's now starting. To ah, that, that that that's the play. It's not you who has to ask her to to to, 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 to learn it. The son has to. The, the yeah, son yeah. wants it. It's not me. It's the son. You have to. Okay. No, but I think it's. Uh, I, of course, you go back and you like the, you know, you like all your things there that you had. But when you know that you cannot personally develop yourself, let's say, work-wise, there, like here, then I mean that's a big factor. Why would you come here? And of course, later, if you know you come there as an expert, then it's a nice thing. Then you can actually help your country to develop. Yeah. Let's say if they have to fulfill some requirements, regulation-wise, to go in the European Union for, let's say, banking sector, then you who is here and learn about it a lot can help. Exactly, so would that also be one of your, uh, maybe would that be something that you would like to do to help Serbia develop long-term in some way? Is that something that's... Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, as a small thing as you can do, yes. Yeah, 
That's true. That's a good dream to have. So, so are there maybe uh, after your whole experience now, are there maybe things that you would say um, there are some lessons that maybe the Netherlands can teach Serbia when it comes to work, uh, economy, maybe? So are there things that you would share uh, with your friends and family in Serbia that you learned here? Maybe you can make, can Yeah, you I heard. So I don't have experience working in Serbia, but we have a colleague that came from Belgrade. And his main difference is the that there it's too much like daily stress from your boss, like this very big micromanagement, like finish that until 10, that until 2. And then, yeah, people get stressed a lot. And mm. I heard from another friend who worked for the National Bank that, you know, I think here if you in Netherlands, if you want to be a, like a higher manager, you have to be competent. There is no way you can go up the ladder if you are not competent. Maybe there are some other more competent, but you have to be competent. But in Serbia still, I, at least in this public sector, you can see, I think, people who are not the most competent, but they are politically good at that point. They know and somebody or their family well, with somebody. Yeah, and you know, if you are a young student who is very good in, we, for example, this friend of mine was financial mathematics. He was really like seeing how the governor doesn't know much about economics, which, you know, she on the public talks presents good because you know, you prepare in this, but in life, and then that's maybe what drag smart students outside. But that, I think it's changing. It's, it's not going to last forever. These politicians are getting in retirement and I think the new generation is much better. I want to turn it around. Is there something that the Netherlands can learn from Serbia? Oh, that's definitely how to, I think... You, how to cook? How to cook, how to, <laughs> how to have fun. But, but like work and business related. Work and business related. What would be the work and business related? I think they could sometimes maybe use a bit of this strict like, yeah, can you do this until then? Maybe that's sometimes more efficient for the whole organization than really being like kind of, you know, taking the slower amount. Yeah, what do you think about it? Think about it. And then it lasts for three days instead of, you know, maybe 15 minutes. Yeah. But work-wise... <laughs> I don't know, work-wise, you know, could they learn something? It would be hard to say, knowing how their economy is and how our economy. I mean, maybe about life, some things, but work-wise, I, I cannot think about anything right now. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Okay, guys, that was a very interesting talk. I would say maybe it's time to slowly wrap things up and uh, bring it to a close. Before we do... Uh, wrap it up. I would. We always actually give our guests the opportunity, maybe for a final message, uh, to maybe share on the podcast. Anything you would like to say, share, plug. Um, you can you can say whatever you want, of course. Um, you can say hi to your mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you know whatever you want. So is there some, maybe some final message you would like to give our listeners? No, I would just give to people who are rethinking. Let's say in Serbia, are they? Because now there is a lot of mouth, let's say, of programmers in our country that are thinking about going, and they all think about Netherlands, I think, because it's uh, many programming companies are in Serbia from Netherlands, that they shouldn't think much because, you know, you should go and try it. Mm. I mean, you have so much benefits here as a expect, yeah. from the 30% ruling to the to the all environment of working, which is much more relaxed and your development and traveling and uh, experience the big cities and maybe you can find your love there if you are single. 
It's a good place. Dutch women are very good looking, I have to say. There you go. Germans as well. Also, oh. also a very important message. Yeah, right. definitely. You know. Yeah, and I think if we if we look at everything that has been said, like I think it's important that like to realize that international experience is very important. It's important to have this uh, broader view and perspective, like like on life and on experiences. But also, like if 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 you want to bring it back um, a bit. Like you also say, like in the end, you also want to help Serbia, Serbia forward. And I would also say, like even all the people who go um, abroad from the Western Balkans who have this experience and who, who learn these things, like also try to find a way to use that to bring the region where you're from forward in some yeah, kind of way. I think that always happens because we are very connected, like Greek people. We are always connected to our home countries, right? Yeah. So even coming there and sharing somebody who is there, your experience, it helps a lot. Yeah, but also other ways around. I think people from here can really benefit from our people, because you know I think we are very easily adjustable to the new society that's showed for already generations. Either we have maybe a different approach in studying than Dutch people, but I think we get really used to how things go, and we have good people with technical skills. Yeah, right. and I think on average we are good employees. Yeah. So I think it's uh, beneficial for both. And I think our mentality is closer to the Dutch than to the German because we tend less to be framed with these uh, rules that sometimes don't make sense. Even closer to the Belgian mentality. Maybe. There you go. I don't know about that. That's something that, that, that we experience. All right. So I think that's a good final message. We're going to leave it at that. Dushan, thank you so much for thank being our guest. Thank you very much. It was, it was a good talk, interesting thought, talk. We'll, I'm sure we'll stay in contact after, after this. For everybody listening, uh, we are Sanir and Sandro. This is the Balkan Talks. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on all other major podcasting channels and platforms. Make sure to follow us. Leave us a good rating. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or even on YouTube, LinkedIn. So... Find us, follow us, give us a like, leave us a rating, and we will keep making this content for you to bring you the news, the facts, the first-hand experiences from the Balkans, the Western Balkans people, and hopefully teach you something new and interesting. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening, and we will see you the next time. See you later. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Balkan Talks. Don't forget to follow the Western Balkans Business Group on LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube, and at WBBG Official on Instagram. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave us a positive review and follow our podcast to stay up to date on all our future uploads. You might also want to check out any of the other episodes of the Balkan Talks, which are available online. If you would like to learn more about the Western Balkans and all the opportunities that exist in the region, please contact WBBG at www.wbbusinessgroup.com. WBBG, Connecting the Balkans.